Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, January 10th. On this date in 1776, Thomas Paine anonymously published an influential pamphlet that argued for American independence from British rule. Its title, Common Sense. And on this date in 1967, National Education Television, the forerunner of the public broadcasting service, operated as a true TV network for the first time. That brings us to our trivia question. What event did NET broadcast as its first official outing as a broadcast network? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, it's time to check in on that forecast over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. And good Wednesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovi. The storms from yesterday are out of here. Sunshine will return today. Slowly, the wind will die down. Still breezy, though, for a good portion of today, especially this morning. And much cooler, starting out around 40 degrees, feeling like the 30s. High temperatures this afternoon in the mid-50s. We'll see just a few late-day clouds and temperatures drop. So cold tomorrow morning at 37, 61, mostly sunny Thursday, but another strong storm system heads our way. Turns breezy, not as windy as this most recent storm, but there is a potential of a couple strong to severe thunderstorms late in the day, and all that clears out, and we cool back down for the weekend. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. The storms have come and gone, but thousands in the low country are still waking up without power. According to Dominion Energy, there are still 191 incidents causing outages, leaving more than 33,000 customers without electricity. In the Tri-County area alone, there are close to 1,500 Dominion outages. Looking at other providers, Berkeley Electric is reporting more than 2,900 outages in Ondaw, Goose Creek, Johns Island, and Monks Corner, while Edisto Electric is reporting more than 1,700 outages right now across Berkeley, Dorchester, and Orangeburg counties. And over 600 are still without power across Colleton and Dorchester counties, according to Coastal Electric. Some low country schools are operating on a two hour delay this morning following the strong storms that came through the area. Charleston County, Berkeley County, Dorchester District 2, Georgetown County and the Williamsburg County School District are all on delayed start times today. Officials say extracurriculars before school are also canceled, but Berkeley County will have after-school programs and athletics. Colleton County schools will be closed for the whole day, though, and they'll pick back up on normal hours tomorrow. Many Lowcountry students had an e-learning day in anticipation of those storms yesterday, and some parents say they were left scrambling at the last minute. Like many Whitesides Elementary School uh, parents, Jenna Arsenal's second and sixth grade kids were stuck learning from home yesterday. Arsenal tells us e-learning is something she and her family dread. She says it's hard enough to be a working mom, but adding the responsibility of teaching her boys on top of that is overwhelming and too much for parents to juggle. I really feel for the people that don't have the option from working from home because what do they do with their kids and do they have their babysitters or grandparents or whoever is filling in? Do those people then become the teachers for the day? That doesn't seem fair. Arsenal says she understands why the schools had to close yesterday but thinks they should have used a traditional weather day to take some of the stress off parents. The Charleston County School District has designated weather days but officials say they're spaced out to make sure both semesters have enough days to support teachers and students. 
We're now getting an update on an app the city of Charleston introduced a few months ago that's designed to make your life easier. The Environmental Services Division's CHS Trash Tracker mobile app is working to transform the way that you manage your garbage, trash, and street sweeping services. Live Five's Destiny Kennedy joins us live at Charleston in Charleston at the Environmental Services Division. So, Destiny, what does the city say about how the community has responded to the app? Good morning. Katie Shelby, officials tell me that residents do provide reviews, and so far they've received five stars. With the CHS Trash Tracker app first launched, it gained around 800 users and now has 21,000 people on the app, and 6,000 have downloaded it. New features on the app include do's and don'ts for disposal and a list of city ordinance to educate residents. The user-friendly app was introduced back in October, allowing city residents to enter their street address to access their garbage and trash collection schedules. The app alerts residents of any scheduled changes and allows residents to submit work orders to different city departments. These features help the department respond quickly and efficiently to residents' requests. Matt Altop is the Deputy Director of Public Service. He says the app has helped with communication tremendously, especially during the recent storm. So we've been able to send out notifications, uh, emails and things um, the last uh, 48 hours, basically, letting people know what we were doing, um, what to expect. Uh, we just sent one out a little bit ago saying, you know, please remember to uh, bring in your garbage and recycling cans. CHS Trash Tracker is available to download on both Apple and Android phones. Reporting live in Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. We're now learning that the state law enforcement division is among the agencies investigating Colleton County's clerk of court. Becky Hill is at the center of convicted killer and disbarred low country attorney Alec Murdoch's appeal for a new murder trial. His attorneys accuse her of tampering with the jury in his case. She's also been under fire for admitting to plagiarizing from a BBC reporter in her book about the trial. SLED confirms agents are investigating allegations that Hill used her position for personal gain, but they did not say when that investigation began. Meanwhile, Neil Gordon, Hill's co-author on their book, Behind the Doors of Justice, says he plans to donate his share of the profits from the book. After Hill admitted to that plagiarism, Gordon announced his intentions to stop selling it but a publishing agreement with Amazon delayed the move. Because some books were still in circulation, about 900 copies were sold. The book is now listed as unavailable on Amazon. A North Carolina man exonerated of a crime that he did not commit reached a $25 million settlement in the wrongful conviction. Ronnie Long served 44 years in prison before being freed in 2020. He was convicted of raping a white woman in 1976 by an all-white jury. After his trial, a series of disclosures revealed that there was a pattern of deliberate evidence suppression by law enforcement. A filing from the judge also noted pieces of crime scene evidence did not match Long. The city of Concord, where he was convicted, is shelling out $22 million, while the state's Bureau of Investigations is providing the remaining $3 million.
Virginia State Police have finally identified a suspect linked to three cold cases from the 1980s, but he won't ever see his day in court. State officials believe Alan Wilmer Sr. was involved in three murders, but he died in 2017, so there will be no arrest. Investigators claim Wilmer Sr. was responsible for the death of a 29-year-old woman, a 20-year-old man, and a 14-year-old girl. Two of the victims were killed in 1987, and the third was murdered two years later. Last year, the state's Department of Forensic Science issued a certificate of analysis confirming Wilmer's DNA matched evidence collected from both scenes. To represent the low country at the state house has officially been sworn in. You might remember Dion Tedder won a special election last November to fill the vacancy in Senate District 42. The state senator's district covers Charleston, West Ashley, and North Charleston. Tedder says he is eager to usher in a new era of leadership as the youngest member of South Carolina's Senate. He also says he plans to be back on the ballot in November to seek a four-year term. Wednesday, lawmaker is working to ban the potential spread of misinformation through deep fakes and other artificial intelligence tools this election season. State leaders say they're seeing a rise in the use of the tools, raising a red flag that it could be used to sway voters. Deep fakes involve realistically mimicking what someone looks like or their mannerisms through technology or AI. But a proposed bill would ban the use of these tools 90 days out from an election. If a person is caught using the deceptive technology, they could face up to 90 days in jail and a $500 fine for their first offense. Fresh off of a visit from President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, the Palmetto State will see another prominent figure making a trip. Tomorrow, second gentleman and husband to Vice President to the vice president, Doug Emhoff, will be participating in a handful of political events across the low country. Emhoff will make stops in Beaufort, Mount Pleasant and North Charleston. We're still working to learn when and where those events will be held. Tonight, candidates will take the stage in the final Republican debate before the important Iowa caucuses. The debate will feature just two candidates, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Trump was the only other to qualify for the debate, but is once again opting out, electing to attend a town hall at the same time in the same state as the debate. The CNN-hosted debate will start at 9 p.m. and is taking place at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. New CNN polling shows presidential hopeful Nikki Haley is gaining steam in New Hampshire. The former South Carolina governor has 32 percent of support from likely primary voters, but she still sits behind former President Donald Trump, who holds 39 percent. Support for Haley started rising last summer, especially among moderates. Last month, she also got an endorsement from New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. The rest of the Republican primary field lags far behind Haley and Trump, most notably Ron DeSantis sitting at just 5% in the state. Today, Berkeley County Government and Berkeley Habitat for Humanity will be celebrating a project that provides homes to families in the Wall Street community. It was made possible in part by funding from the county's Community Development Block Grant Program. Our Autumn Klein joins us live in the newsroom right now to tell us about today's event and how that project will impact the community. Good morning, Autumn. Shelby, Katie, the Habitat's Hutchinson Lane project actually received $200,000 in funding from Berkeley County government's CDBG program. This project took a once empty area and developed it so that families in need could have a safe place to live. This project included rebuilding Hutchinson Lane and adding infrastructure to the area. These additions included adding necessities to the undeveloped area like water, sewer systems, and storm drainage. 
With this infrastructure in place, Berkeley Habitat will be able to build six new homes on Hutchinson Lane, located off of Wall Street. These homes are in addition to the 22 existing homes that the nonprofit has built in this community for families in need of safe, affordable housing. One of the new homes is already completed, and the second one is well underway. They began this project in May of 2022, and this ribbon-cutting ceremony will celebrate the completion of the infrastructure part of the project. The ribbon-cutting event will take place today at 2 p.m. at the corner of Wall Street and Hutchinson Lane in Monk's Corner. In the newsroom, I'm Autumn Klein. At the top of the show, I told you NET, the forerunner to PBS, began broadcasting as a true TV network on this date in 1967. The event that ran that evening was the State of the Union address speech of President Lyndon Johnson. Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, singer Rod Stewart turned 79, boxing Hall of Famer and entrepreneur George Foreman is 76, and singer Pat Benatar is counting 71 candles on her cake. Thanks so much for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. Hope you have a great Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.